Welcome back to Insert Coins. It is July 2nd. This is episode 6. If you're new here, we're a podcast dedicated to the world of video games from the perspective of somebody who works in the industry. You guessed right, that's me. And if you're coming back to the show again, I appreciate you stopping by for yet another episode. It's been awesome to see the listenership growing uh, episode by episode at this point. We finally got some listeners in France, so we're all the way across the ocean now and a few places in Europe, of course, North America. And I appreciate everybody coming back. And of course, those of you sharing the show out, it is much appreciated as well. Don't forget to hit the follow button on any of your favorite podcast sites where you listen to the show. That way you can be notified when a new episode comes out. And if you have questions or comments, of course, you can always reach us at insertcoinstalk at gmail.com. And we actually got a few emails last week and that's going to steer the episode this week. And it was great to get some feedback on the show content and some people have reached out and said, hey, the, the career stuff is really interesting. And I know we have um, a collection of different people on the show, some people trying to break into the industry. And so given that that request was made, I wanted to uh, listen to the small audience we have and talk a bit more about my career. And I figured today we'd do the second chapter of some of my Nintendo memories and pick up from where we left off last time. And, and a recap for those of you that haven't listened to that episode, and I have done one, I believe it was episode four, where I talked about uh, my time doing the Super Mario Strikers and Mario Strikers charge games with Nintendo. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. There's a lot of cool stuff in there that we learned, uh, that I learned uh, from working with uh, Kensuke Tanabe and just Nintendo of Japan in general over the multiple years making that series. And so for today, I thought I'd share the chapter that comes after the Strikers games and um, get into the time on Punch-Out. But first of all, I wanted to say it's actually my birthday today. And one tradition that I have is I like to buy myself a game on birth on my birthday. Also I like to buy myself a game on Christmas. I do have this crazy custom arcade cabinet coming. So you'd probably argue and say I've spent enough on myself with that thing coming. But I do want to buy a new game. And so, but I'm curious to see if anybody out there has anything to encourage me on because I was perusing all the digital stores today and I could not put my finger on something that I wanted to pull the trigger on. So if you have a game out there, either for PS4, Xbox One, it can be mobile as well, it can be the Switch, uh, message me, insertcoinstalk at gmail.com and let me know what game you think I should buy. Um, for which platform. So I'm looking for some feedback on how to spend my uh, birthday money on myself. So getting into the show today, so we're going to talk about the next chapter with Nintendo, which is post strikers. And, and just to go back to that time, so when we finished or we're getting too close to being finished Mario Strikers Charged, they, you know, Nintendo came to us and obviously we'd done a good job with the first two games. And they asked us, okay, so is there anything you'd want to work on next? And you have to take a step back and realize that's a pretty privileged question uh, for Nintendo to ask us. We've had a chance now to work on two Mario soccer games. Uh, thankfully, they've both been successful and received very well and reviewed very well. And now they're asking, okay, what do you want to do next? And in, in being one of the creative leaders on that team, it's a pretty loaded question. And there's a lot of things you can choose to do. But the very first thing that popped into my mind was the Punch-Out series. Now, I grew up playing all the oldest consoles ever because that's just the era I grew up in. So, um, like on the very first show and episode we did, 
you know, I grew up playing the Atari 2600 was the first thing I played. And that was at, I think, four years old. So you can sort of date me in years by that. And growing up, you know, uh, in my younger years, the NES was a system I banged on a lot. And Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was one of those games. And the passion I had for that game, it stuck with me for years. I mean, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, if you haven't played it on the NES, if you haven't played it on um, an emulator, I, I believe it's actually on the Switch's um, NES, the, the, um, the free games you get when you buy the service. Uh, you play some of the NES classics, it's on there. Of course, they don't have Mike Tyson because he was taken off at a certain point in time. But it's a classic puzzle game about timing patterns, rhythm, lefts, rights, ups, downs, blocks, dodges, and uh, taking advantage of vulnerabilities in the boxes you're facing. It's a really interesting design, the NES version, because it is a puzzle game situated within a boxing package. So it's, you know, it's not a uh, fight night. Um, it's not even a Vander. Holyfield's a real deal boxing from back in the day. It was more of a puzzle game, but you'd never guess that because Nintendo would just genius with the designs they come up with. So I grew up playing that game, fond memories being cross-legged, sitting on the, the basement carpet in our downstairs in our house, fighting my way through the circuits, getting little Mac all the way up there, finally reaching Mike Tyson getting annihilated by him over and over and over again because basically one punch from Tyson would knock Little Mac down. So basically three punches and, and you're finished. And finally, you know, knocking Iron Mike out. And yeah, that memory just stuck with you forever. It was such a great memory. I Even before that, actually, I would say, also remember playing the arcade version of Punch-Out. Um, as I grew up in near Toronto, we used to go to the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition, and they had they always had arcades there in tents. And I remember playing the arcade version of Punch Out 2 at a very young age and how much I enjoyed that. Different gameplay. It wasn't, it was more arcadey, more, you know, spammy, you'd call it, uh, less surgical um, uh, uh, compare, as compared to the NES game, but still a, a fond memory. The Super NES version I never really fell in love with. I, I found it was a game that lost some of that NES puzzle feel. And again, it was more mayhem, uh, despite some of the characters being awesome and of course they had the canadian bear hugger in there um but even despite that i just felt it was an inferior game so when nintendo approached us you know your, my thought went okay we'll punch out and and punch out hadn't been done in a long 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 time going back to the snes so you go online and you research and and i knew punch out was always front of mind to me it was something you know you never forgot about doc and little mac and all the characters in the game bald bull super macho man Glass Joe, Piston Honda, all those characters. And I went online and I started researching. And I wanted to see, like, what's the temperature gauge of, of pop culture with this? And just on YouTube, it was mesmerizing to me that you had all of these kids in university, like athletics groups, putting on dramatic performances of Punch-Out, reenacting it. You had these fan songs where all these actors get together and act out each of the different characters and sort of these rap videos and just tons and tons and tons of fan art, fan culture. And it was clear that this thing is still alive and well. And so like, why hasn't anybody done this game? And then you think about the Wii and you think about things like, well, you could turn the Wii remote sideways and you could play it classic. And, and I could say as well, 
the the initial thought was it's the NES version. It was about the the vision for the game was modernizing the NES version, bringing it to a new audience. And so the Wii set up really well. You had motion controls. So even with Wii Sports, they had boxing. So you know, boxing,、uh, playing a punch-out game, you know, punching with the nunchuck and and the Wii Mote would be perfect. There's even things like the the Nintendo Balance Board、uh, that could be used as well. So it all kind of fit up that way. So we we went back to Nintendo, and we said we're interested in modernizing Punch Out, and making the best version of Punch Out that's ever been done. New graphical look that brings it to current day, but still plays homage to the feel of the game. Putting more character in because we've done a great job. With、uh, Mario Strikers Charge, really bringing those characters to life, so we thought, hey, we can push these guys a bit further. And they said, okay, so this has been attempted before. Companies have tried to revitalize this series, and they basically put a test in front of us. And we said, okay, we we want to be heavily inspired by the NES version. That's the version we want to build. And we explained why, and and they agreed with that. So so part of the jumping through the hoops. Was we had to recreate. We had to actually show that we understood how the NES game worked, and so the goal was to create this new art style and recreate the original Glass Joe and King Hippo fights, and showing that we understand the rhythm gameplay. So they gave us a period of time to do that. So we came up with this really cool cell shaded look to the game. Really felt like the characters had just jumped through time. Like when, if you haven't played the game, you can you can look at it and you can compare the videos on YouTube. You can see the the parallels and how they've again calling this the modernization of Punch Out was the right way to represent the vision for the game because that's what it was. And we studied the NES fights.、Uh, we had a really good gameplay team、uh, all the way through the Strikers series, and we really dissected those fights down to the frame. Then I had to recreate the fights, the animations. And I think we had six months, if I remember correctly, to do this. So we put it all together, and we managed to nail it. And so they gave us the keys to the camper and said, "Okay, this is the next thing we're going to build." And now we go forward from here. And now we have to bring this to life. And so that first step was phenomenal. It was a very stressful six months. Like I don't think we ever looked at. Two puzzles or two fights, if you want to call them that, so in depth. It was actually really good training too. And, and again, I think Nintendo is just smart. I think they just get you to do the right things. Because if you think about it, that task—it's a make or break. If we don't make the Glass Joe and King Hippo fights in the same way they were made on the NES, we're not making that game. And so they got us to do that. And if you think about it, it was really just teaching us how to create the base of the game. And understand how the puzzles work because if we pass that test, well, we're gonna have to go through and make all the other fights that were there. And high level, the the goal of the game was we wanted to recreate the old fights. So playing through all the circuits where Mac wins all the belts: minor circuit, major circuit, world circuit. And then, because because there are people that haven't played it, so if you think about families, the idea was. You know, if you're my age and, and if you have a family, you would have grown up playing Punch Out. So it's a chance to go down nostalgia, but in a modern way. And if you have kids, you know, it's a chance for kids to play something they never played. And then once you claimed all the belts, this is where part of the new came in, 
was about having Mac defend his titles, which he never did historically. Once you won all the titles, you were done. And this gave us a chance to make new fights, new puzzles, where all of the boxers come back with a vengeance to reclaim what's theirs. And from Glass Joe up, take Little Mac out and not have him just sit on top of the throne and be champion. So we'll talk a little bit more about the vision of Punch-Out and how it came to life and some of the new stuff we put in and some of those experiences along the way right after this short break. So now we'll jump into the second half of Nintendo Memories with Punch-Out for the Wii. And so you kind of have the backstory now on how the game came to life. You know, obviously be given the privilege to say what we want to work on and then having to pass, you know, make no mistake about it. It was a, it was a difficult, stressful test. Probably the most stressful part was waiting for them to answer whether we got the gig or not. And so we get the green light. And so the first thing is we got to recreate all these fights. And the one thing we also wanted to do in the game was we wanted to give more character. And again, I, as I mentioned in the first segment, we did that in Mario Strikers Charge. So in the NES version of Punch-Out, the characters, they spoke through just text on the screen. You know, simple days. That's the way most games played RPGs. You had to read a lot of text. And we wanted to, again, modernize. So we said, let's give these characters, let's give them a voice. And then more so, in order to be authentic and represent who they were and where they came from, we wanted to give them a tongue in their own language. And so that meant Glass Joe was going to speak French. It meant Bald Bull was going to speak Turkish. It meant Macho Man was going to be, you know, sassy from California. Soda Popinski was going to be Russian. And we really wanted to bring them to life in that fashion and have those characters reach a level that, you know, they've never been seen in before. And... So yeah, we had to hire a whole bunch of uh, voice actors. It was, the harder part was have to find voice actors who spoke these uh, native tongues and bring these guys to life. Now our animation team at Next Level and, and their animation team there still now is the same, top notch. And presentation was something we've always, we always uh, prided ourselves on there. And, and I know they still do today. You can see it in the work in the Luigi's Mansion uh, 3 game that came out not that long ago. And so you have an opportunity now to, to bring these characters to life. So much like all the gold celebrations, whether they were positive or negative in, in the Striker series, now we had opportunities for like ring entrances. We actually also did these really cool, um, a good buddy of mine, Tony Amarino, um, you know, built all these colorful storyboards where we wanted to bring more backstory into these characters. So like, um, you know, showing Glass Joe and what he does in an average day, uh, before a fight and sort of give a bit more backstory on who these characters were. And they're really awesome pre-fight sequences that showed the personality you were going to see in the ring. And then in the ring, you had a chance to see pre-fight animations, pre-round animations, win animations. Uh, there were unique knockout animations, uh, unique win-fight animations. And these were all voiced and they all had different um, 
different aspects. And what was funny is when we actually did the the native tongues, we were worried, well, okay, do we have to subtitle these? What do we do? And one of the cool things that the um, fans of the game did is actually there were people that made videos and they basically translated everything and, and put subtitles up so people knew what they were talking about. So that was really cool. And the character that our animation team put into the fights were awesome. Like the the anger of Bull Bull, the feebleness of Glass Joe, the funkiness of King Hippo. The character was, it, it made the game. It, it was part of the fun of playing the game. And, and it was great to see all the videos that people put up on YouTube after just doing compilations of all the, the pre-fight animations, like knowing that we nailed the character part. Because that was a really important part of the vision is it, it's a puzzle game. So it has to have bells and whistles icing on the cake to make it interesting. One of the other privileges we got to do in the game was we got to actually add a new character to the game. Uh, we made a character called Disco Kid and sort of a flamboyant, athletic, you know, give him the dancing aspects of Muhammad Ali in the ring. He was an early fighter, so not somebody who was going to give you fits, but it was cool to be able to make an original character uh, to go on the product itself and have that come to life, which was really fun. I'd say, too, the other fun part was Doc Lewis was voiced as well. So when you're in the corner at the end of a round, you know, we had a um, really fun guy to work with who recorded all the voice for Doc Lewis, and it was really authentic. Of course, making the... Um, making the montage of Doc riding a bike and Mac running down the boardwalk in New York, having that modernized was awesome. There are also some really cool Rocky montages in there too. Um, Sit-ups, weight training, speed bag, whatever the, whatever you want to call it. A lot of inspiration from Rocky in there as we brought those montages to life. Because, hey, you can't have a boxing experience without some type of uh, modernized uh, montage. But the, the, the title fights or the title defense fights were awesome. And from a game designer perspective, probably the biggest one of the one of the other biggest privileges we got to make brand new fights. And the idea in these title fights is that the boxer is going to come back with a vengeance. So they change character. They look different, um, sometimes vastly different. Don Flamenco, of course, who is, a, you know, uh, ladies man spanish dancing man who can seduce the ladies when he comes back in the title defense fight he is hair is dyed pitch black he's a bit evil he's got a chip on his shoulder uh glass joe returns with a headgear because he knows he's got a glass jaw king hippo comes back and covers up his belly puts a manhole cover on it and says you gotta knock this off me and as a fan of the punch out series growing up and this is one of the tough parts when you work in the industry is you never get a chance to, especially a puzzle game, you know the answers to the puzzle, so you can never enjoy the game the way a player could. But using that inspiration of somebody who enjoyed the Punch-Out series, the title defense fight's really exciting because you knew it was something new. And you knew there were other people out there like you who grew up with the series, who loved the series, and now they get a chance to play something brand new. And it was really fun to give those characters new life and have them come back. Um, oh, Sandman, when you fight Sandman at the end, uh, he is incredible in terms of, of his character and just how nasty he got. And it was, yeah, part was just really fun. We had Aaron Ryan, we had Bull Bull, Popinski. We actually had to change the name of Piss and Honda. We weren't allowed to use Honda. Yeah, we had to call him Hondo because he couldn't use Honda for licensing rights. Um, one of the other things we added and probably received with mixed mixed results was there was a, a 
uh, PVP mode in it as well. So this Little Mac versus Big Mac, and you battled back and forth, and you earned the right to grow into Big Mac, and you can do more damage as Big Mac. And so it was something that Tanabe Sun pushed us on to try to do something different. We did it probably one of the mixed results things looking back retrospectively. Could it have been better? Yeah. Was it terrible? No. But it probably just wasn't as much punch out. But sometimes you try things and they don't work out. Take risks. Always learn. It's actually one of the um, principles that the company I work at now. And I think all good developers should use that. And yeah, it didn't ruin the game. Um, I know after I left Next Level, the other thing they did, which was really awesome, is there were special downloadable uh, package where you could fight Doc Lewis, which was pretty cool as well. And it was a nice touch that happened later on. I did get a chance to enjoy that because I was no longer working at the company when um, uh, they had taken on that venture. But all in all, definitely like a huge, a huge honor to work on that series. It's funny, I don't have a shadow box of that game, and I should. Um, this new arcade custom cabinet I'm getting, I'm, I'm considering making it just a punch out dedicated cabinet and uh, want to sort of fill it with fan art that's out there that's uh, from that series. But um, it's still the whole Nintendo experience for me is still it's it's a bit surreal. I know it happened. I know I worked on it. But as a kid, I never thought of work in video games, let alone a chance to work with Mario. And then you get asked what you want to do and you get a chance to work with Punch. I mean, it's just an unbelievable experience that, um, you know, career-wise, there's still more to do. And I, I'll tell you the pinnacle or my pinnacle of what I still chase in the industry is making your own IP that everybody falls in love with. I mean, I think that's the romantic dream for all developers or creative developers anyway. But it takes nothing away from the incredible privilege I had working with Nintendo on those series um we, we did also use the wii balance board so you could actually play this game fully physical and work up a sweat if you wanted to so you could dodge left or right on the balance board punch with uh, the nunchuck and the wiimote so that did come to life that did happen i think most people played by just taking the wiimote and turn it sideways and playing it classic because it really was just using a d-pad and two buttons we did not go away from that i think it was very important in maintaining the nes controls and yeah, we'll see. I think that series probably will stay quiet for a long period of time. Um, you could definitely make another one, but um, it's one of these things where they're not easy games to make, and I think Nintendo creates a high bar, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But it's fun to look. It's fun to look back, and it's fun to see the fan videos. And, you know, working in the industry, I, the, the best way to look at it is you're only as good as your next game. So you're never kind of one and done. You got to keep moving, keep working, keep growing, keep evolving. But it is always fun to look back. And I can tell you just sharing this story with you today, I've been doing it with a massive smile on my face because it's, you know, obviously it's not stressful right now because it's over. Um, but doing that stuff was amazing. One thing I actually didn't get a chance to share too is I was lucky enough because... And I've been lucky enough to do this at a lot of places, and I do it at Hothead right now too, but I was lucky enough to do the voice of Super Macho Man in the game as well. And, of course, they had to pitch shift it and deepen it and all those things, but that was just another crazy experience that um, was able to, to do one of the voices, uh, partially because of the background working uh, or working in broadcasting for a bit, but going to school for it and, and doing some voice work historically. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, to know that, you know, and there was, um, I probably can find it if I dig it, dig for it, but there's a YouTube video that some guy put together doing sort of this rave remix of Super Macho Man quips. And, and for me, it was one of those uh, fun moments to see it kind of brought to life and see how much people appreciated the character. So I thought that was a, a really cool experience. But the whole thing was just amazing. I mean, the entire the entire experience with Nintendo, the Super Mario Strikers, despite you know the, the, the hardships we had to learn there early, smashing a sequel of Mario Strikers charged better than probably any of us ever thought um, we could make. And then the privilege to work on Punch-Out and be the company, the team that brought that to a new audience. And, and again, the game reviewed incredibly well. It did very well sold well and then watching people do speed runs was awesome seeing people master it so just a great overall experience i mean the the you know you never know how long you're going to be doing this hopefully i'll do it as long as i possibly can but the nintendo experience is one that uh, i will never take for granted and i'm happy i'm able to share it with you here today and probably less learnings in this one today in terms of memories but more uh, just sharing a, a happy story and saying to you that if you're an aspiring developer out there, keep doing what you're doing. Play as many games as possible because you never quite know what opportunity is going to come across. And I'll also say the other thing I learned from Punch-Out is deconstructing games, dissecting games is a skill you need to really understand the value of. Because we had to understand that NES version of Punch-Out inside and out to get that contract. And it's probably where I really understood the value of, of deconstruction and understanding how something is put together. It doesn't always mean you're going to put it back together the same way when you make your product, but it, it helps you understand what makes something tick. And I'll say sometimes you're going to dissect a lot of things that aren't very good to find the 10% that is good. And that can also be more valuable because if you find the good in things that don't work, you have a chance to make something that nobody's ever seen before. But anyways, I can ramble on about this forever. Hopefully, my experience with Nintendo has brought a smile to your face. And hopefully you can hear the genuine fun I had working with them. There's more I can share from my career. I still want to touch on you know, I, I had a dream of playing hockey professionally. It was a very small dream that I didn't apply myself well enough when I was younger. But getting a chance to work with the NHL for a couple of years was pretty awesome. So I'll share that in an upcoming show. And probably just to look overall at the career is something else I got feedback on last time. So what I've done over the course. And even before I got into console, I did a little bit of time in uh, touchscreen gaming, making uh, uh, games for systems that used to be on the edge of bars back in the day but yeah there's a look down memory lane at the punch out experience pretty awesome experience and probably going to motivate me to get my game in a shadow box and get it up on the wall with the other nintendo stuff it deserves to be up there and if you haven't played punch out on the wii i recommend you giving it a whirl see how fast you can get through it and see if it's a game that uh, brings a smile to your face as much as it did me making it
And just like that, we're at the end of episode six. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. Hopefully the trip down memory lane talking punch out was as fun for you as it was for me. It was awesome to be able to share that story today. And again, an experience that um, I feel very lucky to have had the opportunity to have uh, done those games and of course make punch out as well. If you have comments, questions, or things you'd like to hear on the show, I'm always looking for feedback. You can reach me at insertcoinstalk at gmail.com. That's insertcoinstalk at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you've been sharing out the podcast, it's greatly appreciated. Stay safe, happy gaming, and we'll see everybody next time. Take care.